Ladies and gentlemen, what's up? I hope you all are doing well. It's Matt with Hoopsology. Thank you so much for tuning in, checking us out. Uh, we have a lot to talk about today. We have a lot to talk about, and I couldn't wait until our usual Sunday recording time to update you guys and discuss some of the things that are going on this week in the NBA because it has just been packed with news, packed with good and bad news, unfortunately. So I'm excited to dive into all of that with you real quick. We are a part of the Off the Glass Basketball Podcast Network. If you go to otgbasketball.com, you can see our homepage along with a lot of other cool podcasts, a lot of team podcasts. So if you're a Heat fan, there's a Heat podcast. Shout out to Kyle Russell and Heater's Gonna Heat podcast. If you're into the 76ers, it's always something in Philadelphia is a great podcast on the Sixers Celtics Lab podcast. Shout out to those guys, along with plenty other great podcasts. So if you are looking for a team specific podcast, along with some other great basketball and other topics, other pop culture topics, check out otgbasketball.com. As always, you guys know where to find our show. If you're checking this out on YouTube, what's up? Make sure you leave us a comment, like, share, subscribe. If you're listening to the podcast, make sure you are subscribed to that. We appreciate your guys' support tremendously. Um, you'll notice I'm doing this show solo. So quick shout out to my co-host, Justin. I uh, hope you had a great day. It'll be Friday by the time you guys listen to this podcast. So let's get right into this. And let's start by talking about stuff that has gone on on the court. Let's update you guys on round two. So the only round two series right now that is wrapped up is the series between the Phoenix Suns and the Denver Nuggets. That series was a sweep. Phoenix has swept the Denver Nuggets. This is old news at this point. So the big update here, uh, I'll wait, I guess, to talk about this. Let's talk first about a, a really fun Denver Nuggets team that had unfortunate circumstances. And that's going to be a common theme in today's podcast, unfortunately, with injuries being such a huge narrative in the league right now. But the Nuggets, just without Jamal Murray, without some of their pieces just did not have enough to really contend with the Phoenix Suns. And it was apparent right off the get-go. Justin and I talked about this on our last episode. I did want to mention that I thought the foul call, the flagrant two on Jokic, the league's MVP, by the way, I, I thought that was a ridiculous call. I thought it was a soft call. I thought it was an overreaction on the part of the refs. And honestly, I'm surprised that it happened in Denver that you throw out the star player of this team. I guess the one thing you could say about the foul was he did have a rather big windup as he was swatting towards the ball. So Cameron Payne was dribbling towards the corner of the court. He had just picked up a rebound, I believe, and Jokic winds up clearly goes after the ball and gets the ball, but happens to whack campaign in the nose with his bicep. So grazes that nose campaign 
falls down pretty dramatically. And, and I believe it was a legitimate hit. It, the, the replay showed that it wasn't a flop or anything like that. But look, hard fouls happen. Incidental contact happens. This is a contact sport. I just thought it was ridiculous that they pulled out the flagrant two there. That's all I'll say about that. That's old news at this point. News right now is that Chris Paul has been sidelined due to league COVID protocols. So the, if you're a Suns fan, you have to be hoping that the the uh, Clippers um, Utah Jazz series go seven games to give Chris Paul as much time as possible to clear COVID protocols. I think this is really unfortunate as well. He would have a shorter layoff time here, a shorter quarantine if he were vaccinated, we don't know whether he is vaccinated or not, and no judgments there either way. Um, you know, we'll we'll see when he gets the thumbs up to return, but I really hope this does not cost Phoenix Suns their series over this this COVID thing. I mean, this this has been a story all season long, of course. This has been a big part of our lives for the past year plus. And it would just be such a bummer, in my opinion, to have a, a team, one of the bright spots, probably the darling at this point with the Nuggets gone, the darling of the playoffs, the Phoenix Suns, to have them eliminated due to their star player, one of their stars being out because of COVID would be just such a bummer, so, such a downer for this playoffs. And there's already been enough downers with all the injuries I don't know. I, I just really hope this gets resolved. I hope we get to see Chris Paul play this out. Let's move on. Tonight, Thursday night, now heading into Friday morning as uh, as I record this, the Brooklyn Nets lost tonight. Uh, so Milwaukee won, tying the series at three games apiece. James Harden did play again tonight. He scored 16 points, had seven assists, five rebounds. So it was somewhat effective, still definitely not his usual self. Kevin Durant was great, but just didn't really have enough help with the rest of that roster. Kyrie Irving, of course, still out with that ankle sprain. We'll see if we get the big three of Brooklyn for game seven. I think just with the history of these two teams and with the missteps that we've seen by Coach Bud on Milwaukee's end, I, I would have to pick Brooklyn in a game seven. That's not what I'm rooting for. You guys know that since the start of the playoffs, really, and, and even before that, I have wanted the Lakers out of the playoffs. I I had that wish granted, and now I want the Nets out of the playoffs. I just want this to be a really feel-good postseason where maybe we get like Bucks Suns, even though I know that might not bring great ratings. I think it brings better narratives for the league as a whole. So that's what I'm rooting for just to get that out of the way. But I, I would still pick Brooklyn in seven. That was my pick for the series. It looks like that may play out that way. We'll see what happens. Let's move on. The Atlanta Hawks have shocked the Sixers. They are up three games to two, and they have shocked Justin and I as well. We had picked Philadelphia in five games. This is going at minimum six games, 
at most, maybe seven games here. I don't really have a feel for where this is going. I think offensively, Atlanta has more firepower right now, it seems, and that may be enough to end this series. We also don't really know how Joel Embiid is is feeling right now. He's he's playing good minutes. Um, you'd have to think with the meniscus injury that he's playing through, the longer this series goes, the more you have to worry about the 76ers. So it does seem like Atlanta may pull this off. And, and I think it is, um, we're going to see a, a lot of teams just with, with some of the other news I'm going to be mentioning later on. A lot of teams are going to have some major changes this offseason. I, I think more than usual, the offseason has been a huge thing in the NBA for a while now. And we've seen some really dramatic changes over the last five years, over the last decade, especially the, the offseason um, it's, it's just huge in the NBA. I think this year will be no difference. I think if you are the 76ers and you lose to the Hawks here, even with the meniscus issue with Joel Embiid, it, it may be time to end the Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid experiment side with one or the other move, whoever you don't side with and let's do something different. Um, and you know, I would think that Daryl Morey would kind of be of the same mind. He's a guy that has been pretty aggressive as a president of basketball operations. And so I, I don't think he will sit idly by and wait for the Embiid Ben Simmons ex- experiment again one more year when they were the top of the East just about all year long and the number one seed in the playoffs. They should not be losing to the Hawks in this series, but on the flip side, kudos to Trey young and kudos to the Hawks. We gave Trey young a lot of kudos in the last episode. I I would just echo that right now. If they pull this off, I mean, this is a, a good feather in his cap to start out Uh, This is his first trip to the playoffs and to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Even though the East is weak, I I still give him a lot of credit for that. It's funny, I I would have thought more so that this would be the year for Luka to kind of make his rise in the West, especially with how the Lakers started. But it looks like the young rising star is Trey Young. Let's move on. The Clippers lead the Utah Jazz three games to two. This does not surprise me um, as I picked the Clippers in six. Justin had that as his pick as well for this series. But a, a wrench has been thrown in the gears here. Kawhi Leonard out indefinitely, as far as I know, to this point with a knee injury. So who knows how this this is going to go. It does seem like this is an ideal scenario for the Phoenix Suns as Utah may likely or has a better, a much better shot now of winning game six and dragging this series out to seven games. Um, So, you know, we'll see. I, I would imagine if at all possible, much like James Harden came back in game five against the Bucks, if Kawhi is able to play at all, I think he will be back for a game seven matchup here uh, against the Utah Jazz. So 
this is also a chance for the for Paul George to, you know, maybe get a little bit more respect, maybe redeem himself from last year, have a clutch performance, close out the series without Kawhi. That'll go a long way for Paul George in, in shaking off, you know, some of the some of the demons of last year. All right. So that's what's going on right now with the playoffs. We will come back to that in a little bit when we talk about injuries in the league right now. But I want to talk about some news from some teams that are out of playoff contention or that did not make the playoffs. First bit of news that I want to touch on is that Stan Van Gundy has been let go, has been fired after just one season as the Pelicans head coach must have just been decided that he was not the right fit, obviously, for that team. I do think this team underperformed tremendously. Looking at Memphis's roster, who made it into the playoffs as the eighth seed after the play-in tournament, and comparing that to the Pelicans, who did not even make the play-in tournament as a top-10 team in the West, when Zion was almost a guaranteed bucket at a certain point in the season when he got rolling, I think this firing is completely justified even after one year. This may be a situation where you know, let's be honest here. We haven't seen success from Stan Van Gundy as a head coach since he was coaching the Orlando Magic in their 2009 NBA Finals run. So, or, you know, maybe the year after that, really. But since he was the coach of the Magic, we haven't seen a successful Stan Van Gundy team. He failed big time in Detroit when he probably had too much power as both head coach and president of basketball operations. I think the move here for Stan Van Gundy may be to do media. He's he's tremendous as an analyst, tremendous in the booth calling games. If that's what he wants to do, he has an in there. Of course, we we all know Jeff Van Gundy, his brother, is in the booth and, and is very good at what he does as well. I know he drives some people nuts, but I do find him entertaining as an analyst, as an in-game broadcaster. Stan Van Gundy, very talented at this as well. So he does have an out there, and I think he should go that route. Uh, I mean, of course, he should do what he wants to do, but uh, I think media is the best fit for him. So uh, again, a Pelicans team that really underachieved. I'll be curious to see who they get as their head coach. There are some good names that are out there. One of them that will be out there, moving on to our next story, is Rick Carlisle. And we need to have a little bit of a story time to explain why Rick Carlisle is now out in Dallas. So the decision came down from Dallas um, yesterday, I believe, to let Donnie Nelson go as president of basketball operations, a, a guy who is a legendary coach who was with the Mavericks for 24 years now went from coaching into the front office uh, and, and was managing this team was actually 
the guy who brought in Rick Carlisle from the Indiana Pacers to the Dallas Mavericks, or I'm sorry, from um, the Detroit Pistons, I believe, to the Dallas Mavericks. Well, in, in any case, Carlisle coached in on both the Pacers and the Detroit Pistons and had success there. Uh, so in any case, you'd have to believe that due to the firing of Donnie Nelson, Rick Carlisle felt some loyalty there. And today he resigned as Mavericks head coach. Uh, and this is huge because nobody thinks that Rick Carlisle has forgotten how to coach. Rick Carlisle had two years left on his contract. So this is a case where loyalty factored into that. And maybe he sees the drama going on with Porzingis, the drama going on with this roster that that maybe he and Luca are not getting along. And he said he's excited for his next coaching adventure. So he's not done coaching. He would still like to coach somewhere, it seems, based on his statement to ESPN. Um but th- this is really bad news if if you're Dallas. And Luca made it clear he was upset that Donnie Nelson was let go. And I-, I just don't think you're going to get a better coach than Rick Carlisle with with what's out there. Even if you bring in uh, a guy who I think also is a great coach in Terry Stotts, it's still not as good of a coach as Rick Carlisle. Maybe a better fit. Uh, there's always a chance of that, but I sincerely doubt it. And if you're Dallas, you also have to wonder and, and be weighing if Luka Doncic's future with the team is now in jeopardy. He's only 22. He's still on his rookie contract, of course, um, and, and they can extend him. He'll be uh, you know, an unrestricted free agent, or I'm sorry, a restricted free agent, so they can extend him, but... You know, when we hit that seven-year mark for these these rookie contracts and and uh, restricted extensions, after that period of time, you know, we we saw Anthony Davis leave the Pelicans. Uh, we've seen many cases here where players, stars that are unhappy in their uh, original drafted team, will leave. Uh, at this point. So you got to be worried if you're a Mavericks fan, if that's going to be the case for Luka Doncic. But on the other hand, there is a lot of time that they have him under contract. If they can get some stability, if they can make some moves, if they can get him some more help, I do think players are still going to want to play with Luka, a very talented playmaker, of course, as we saw in the playoffs. So I, I don't think... It's maybe as gloom and doom as has been portrayed with this recent news in Dallas, but you need to get it together soon. And I think next year you need to start making strides, get past that first round as I I've already laid out there and predicted that I think the Mavericks will be past the first round next year. So maybe this plays itself out over time and certainly in time before that, um, before Luka Doncic becomes an unrestricted free agent and can look at other teams. Um, Let's move on. This offseason, the league is going to be reviewing um, rules regarding 
offensive players forcing contact to draw fouls. So the player that was most criticized for this this year, James Harden has been criticized in the past for this, still does this to a certain extent. A lot of big name players do this, but uh, Trey Young was the player who was most criticized for this type of a play. And so again, it's offensive players on a jump shot forcing contact. So typically what happens is said player will, let's say they're at the three-point line, they do a pump fake and they get a defender to jump. But maybe that defender is to the side of them, like they ran up to try and catch them. The player who did the pump fake sees that they have them in the air. That player is not trying to contact them. Even if they were to jump straight up and shoot that jump shot, they would not hit the defender. So the offensive player to draw the foul will, once that defender is airborne, lean into them and get take the contact and uh, draw the foul on the defender. I, I think this is a pretty... Well, first and foremost, I'm glad that the league is reviewing this. This needs to be reviewed. And I, I think there are certain plays where this happens where it's good gamesmanship. Like if you can draw a pump fake and use a natural shooting motion to take some contact and get a foul drawn, I think there are plays where that makes sense with the contact in the game and in the flow of the game. Um, there have been plays where Trey Young, this has happened many times over the course of the season, where he would, let's say he he breaks into the top of the key, so just inside the three-point line, and his defender, he blew by his defender. He slows down. He hit, does a pump fake, and then actually like falls back to draw the foul from the defender behind him. So just very unnatural. And I think plays like this, and plays where you're really having to jump out to the side, it's an easy fix. You call this an offensive foul because the defender was not the one initiating contact. The offensive player was. And so even though by old rule standards, the defender is out of position, the offensive player is the one that forced the contact and engaged in the contact. So you should be able to easily see that as an official and call that an offensive foul. And it may be controversial in some cases. I'm okay with controversial calls, but I think there are clear-cut cases where that's an offensive foul. You force the contact. So the foul's on you. It goes to the other team. I don't think that this should be something that requires video review. We have, in my opinion, too much video review as it is in the league. And I don't think we need to pile on and add video rule to the review to the situation. I I would be okay with making this a, a, a fine sort of situation. Like if, if you're arguing this could endanger the health of certain players, like causing awkward landings, I'm okay with a fine. I think if you make it an offensive foul, that will cut this out maybe more effectively even so than fining. And the other thing that I hope the league reviews, I doubt this will happen, but I would ask, and I think a bigger problem right now is the flopping that players are doing. Several instances of this happening. Um, I, I mean, just about any game, you you can find a, 
uh, a really egregious flop job by uh, by a given player. And I know that there is a rule that you can fine a player. I think it's like 5,000 if they flop and maybe it escalates a little bit if there are repeat violations. I haven't heard of a player being fined for flopping in a very long time. So I, I think the league should get back on this and the league should be publicly releasing that um, to potentially even kind of you know just putting it bluntly shame players for flopping like put that out in the press that they got fined because they flopped because uh, i think some of the flopping has has really been over the top and that's that's something that just about any major star right now has done at some point or another and there's a ridiculous clip of like jimmy butler flopping uh, I believe from last season where he's lying on the, on the ground and like looking up at the ref to see if he's made a call yet or a decision. And then he puts his head back down as though, you know, he's still wincing in pain or whatever from, from what happened on the foul call um, and, and just really hamming that up. So the flopping is an issue that also needs to be fixed, but I'm glad they're looking into this, uh, this rule with offensive players forcing this contact. So let's get into our last topic here. Some LeBron James news that's also going to translate into kind of an injury view and injury overview of the playoffs and talking about whether this postseason should be an asterisk postseason. So first bit of LeBron James news from this week is that he apparently is changing his jersey number to number six. I did not look much into this, to be honest. I just saw the post on his Twitter. I, I heard about it before I saw that post. I really don't know. Does this coincide with Space Jam releasing? Maybe there's going to be some device in the movie where he changes his number back to number six. I... I don't know. This was the number that LeBron wore in Miami. As you all probably know, he entered the league with number 23, changed it to six in Miami, wore 23 for um, his return to Cleveland and then for his uh, time in LA so far. So he's changing Jersey back to number six. So, Hey, if you're a diehard Lakers fan and if you're a diehard LeBron fan, I guess you have another jersey uh, that you'll need to buy if you want to keep your jersey collection current. Um, LeBron, the reason, part of the reason I bring that up is to lead into um, the complaints of injuries this week. I, of course, anytime there are injuries, that's that's unfortunate. That's not something we ever want to see, and the injuries do seem to be up this playoffs. Injuries. Well, first, let's hear what LeBron had to say about this. And I'm just going to read. It's three tweets. I'm going to read them verbatim. So I'm not I'm not going to proof them for LeBron. Uh, so you can hear LeBron's thoughts on this. Because um, even though LeBron's eliminated from the playoffs, he's still pretty vocal on Twitter. Okay, so from yesterday they all didn't want to listen to me about the start of the season i knew exactly what would happen i only wanted to protect the well-being of the players which ultimately is the product and benefit of our game these injuries isn't just part of the game it's lack of pure 
rim, rest, rest before starting back up. Eight, possibly nine, All-Stars has missed playoff games most in league history. This is the best time of the year for our league and fans, but missing a ton of our fave players. It's insane. If there's one person that know about the body and how it works all year round, it's me. I speak for the health of all players, and I hate to see this many injuries this time of year. Sorry, fans. Wish you guys were seeing all your fave guys right now. And then prayer emoji, crown emoji. So that's what LeBron has to say about that. Um, look, I think we're all frustrated about the injuries. I I do understand uh, some of LeBron's frustration there. LeBron's tight with Chris Paul. Chris Paul is the head of the players' union. The players agreed to this NBA season. So th- this was a mutually beneficial agreement for both the players and the ownership of the league. So I don't uh, fully appreciate LeBron's outrage there. He's this kind of, I told you so tweet. Um, you, you didn't have to agree to the terms and, and play. I think, you know, LeBron, of course, maybe is the richest current player in the NBA. You would think he's at least one of them, uh, being that he's the greatest of his generation. Um, you know, he would be fine missing an entire season. It's it's the other guys in the league that would really take a hit had they taken time off. Look, it, it's not a pretty picture when you look at the injuries. Like just just pulling up the playoff bracket here. And I'm, I'm going to read the round one matchups and we're, we're going to review where there's been injuries at, at least all the major ones that I can list off of the top of my head. So in the West, Utah, Memphis, Utah, Donovan Mitchell was injured in the first round. Mike Conley is, I believe, currently still injured um, or at least for a good chunk of the Utah Clippers series was injured. Uh Clippers, Dallas, Kawhi's injured right now, out indefinitely, apparently, with this knee injury. Dallas, Luka injured his neck in the first round. There were doubts whether he was going to come back for game six and seven. Denver, Jamal Murray was hurt during the season, ACL injury. Um, I believe there's another injury for Denver, uh, Will Barton. Um. Phoenix, L.A., Chris Paul injured first round, had a shoulder injury, was able to come back. L.A., Lakers, obviously LeBron had an ankle issue he was dealing with. He wasn't 100%. Anthony Davis was out, um, had um, a a groin strain uh, as well as a sprained knee that he tried to come back from. Okay, so there's on the West, and that's probably not even a fully comprehensive list. East, Joel Embiid, meniscus injury. Um, Let's see. Knicks, Atlanta. I'm blanking on injuries there. Washington. I don't don't think there are major injuries there. Uh, If I'm wrong, hey, correct me in in the comments. Um, Milwaukee, no major injuries. The Heat had injury issues all year. I, I think they were... A, l- a little rusty and lackluster, but I don't think they were 
extremely injury plagued during the playoffs. Uh, but Boston Celtics, of course, Jalen Brown was out with a season injury ending injury. Um, and Brooklyn, of course, James Harden hamstring injury in the first round has come back, but it's still clearly not a hundred percent. Uh, and Kyrie Irving, um, was out with, um, with an ankle sprain that happened. I, I believe that was game four where he was out. So again, point being, there have been a ton of in- injuries. It's a problem. Guys are fatigued. This is an outlier year. Um, yes, there was less rest for some of these teams um, between the off season and um, leading through the start of this season, especially of course the Lakers and the heat who made it all the way to the finals. A lot of these other teams, you know, Clippers included, uh, the jazz, the nuggets, uh, a lot of these teams played in the bubble playoffs. So yes, there's been a short rest time. This has been a problem for several years though. I think four of the last seven finals, if I'm not mistaken, there have been major injuries to star players playing in the finals, You'll recall in 2019 when the Raptors won the title, um, Clay Thompson was out. Uh, Steph Curry had injury issues. Um, Kevin Durant had his his Achilles injury before going to the Brooklyn Nets. So there were several injuries that happened in that finals. There was a finals, um, the first time the Cavaliers and the Warriors matched up where um, Kyrie and Kevin Love on the Cleveland Cavaliers at the time were dealing with injuries and LeBron and Matthew Della Vadova and Richard Jefferson basically had to try and carry the Cavs through that series. So this has been a narrative for a while. And we talked with Jeff Stotts, who is an injury expert, has a huge database of these injuries. One of the things he told us was spreading out games a little bit more over the course of the regular season might help with this. So my proposal would be, and something that I think the league should consider, because look, like Bill Simmons says, he thinks there should be a 70-game season, 70-game regular season. I just don't see the owners ever reducing number of games because of how that reduces revenue. That would also reduce salaries for the players. I think one thing you could do is have the first round go back to a traditional um, five game series, more entertaining, shorter round one, save these guys legs a little bit for round two and beyond. That's another thing that I, I'm doubtful will ever happen just again, because of the revenue of potentially two less games. But I think what you could do that would be reasonable for the NBA is stretch out, um, stretch out your regular season a little bit more and maybe put summer league closer to the end of the summer rather than in July. So maybe summer league moves to August if possible. Um, but I, th- I think you're going to need to find a way to avoid any and all back-to-backs. The pace of this season was, was intense, ferocious. It was, it was a, a real grind, not just because of all the COVID stuff, but because the league was trying to get games in as many as possible. 72 were planned before the Olympics got started. Next year, when hopefully we have a more normal-looking regular season, 
I think if the league extended the season up to about four weeks to space games out even more, I, I think that would be fine. And I don't think it would hurt the league from like a drama suspense ratings standpoint to drag things out a little bit more. We're already dragging things a little bit more with the off season. We're talking about the league a little bit more. You would extend that window of time. You're talking about the league as well. So I think that is what I would do is look into ways to go at a more leisurely pace. We also need to find a way on the other end. And this is something that I'm hoping to talk about with Justin, maybe debate a little bit about this or brainstorm, but we need to find a way to have these players wanting to play games as well. Because when you have LeBron lamenting the start of the season, it's not a good vibe. If I go on Facebook, Twitter, wherever you do social media, and I start griping about having to go to work, it's not something you're going to want to read on my social media or anyone's social media. It's the same thing when the players do it. It's, it's just not very relatable to us as fans in my opinion i do think the nba is a grind it's a lot of running per game no matter how you look at it but um i think we need to find a way to connect the players with the fans a little bit more and make sure that players are playing for most of the season. One thing that I've mentioned that I think would help with this is having to play a minimum of 75% of games for your team in order to qualify for all NBA team and end of season, regular season awards like the MVP award, like rookie of the year, et cetera. I think incentives like that would really help encourage these players to play the majority of those games are at least 75% of games in order to be able to reach those accolades. And I know it's kind of silly to maybe have to incentivize that way. But when, again, I'll, I'll bring this up again, the Brooklyn Nets as a trio, and some of this is due to injury. Well, a lot of it's due to injuries in fairness, but we've only seen them together a dozen times as, as a big three. And they were one of the biggest things that was billed to look forward to this season. So I don't know. We got to figure out a way to, to fix this injury issue and load management issue. We got to get the players caring about the regular season so that we as fans can care about the regular season more and casual sports fans, not just diehard NBA fans like myself, but casual sports fans can care about the NBA as well. Cause right now, if the players don't care about the regular season, then why should, should you and I just plain and simple um, other than the fact that we love basketball, but we, we got to have that consistency there. Okay. Last thing I want to mention, and then I'm going to, I'm going to bounce out. This has actually been a little bit longer than I was expecting, but that's good. There's, there's a lot going on. Should this playoffs be an asterisk due to all these injuries? <sighs> Look, a, a lot of people are saying this, this should be an asterisk season. I, I don't really know. I guess my question in return, if if you're determined that this should be an asterisk postseason, is what why? What what constitutes that? What is the line? Is it like once the fifth all-star in the playoffs is injured? You heard from LeBron, we've had eight, maybe nine players out. Once once the fifth all-star is out, is that an asterisk season? I 
again, look, we've had examples four out of the last seven finals. I'll say it again. There have been major injuries that played a role in who won the finals. Maybe it didn't, maybe it didn't change the outcome. Maybe it would have been the same, even if everyone was healthy, but we just don't know that in major stars were injured. So I, I wouldn't go back and retroactively put asterisks on on all those previous champions where they dealt with injury issues and things like that. So um, I would not put an asterisk on this season. I, I'm not a fan of this asterisk argument in general. I, you know, you you roll out the ball and you play the games that are in front of you, and I don't fault whatever team wins this, whether it's the Nets, whether it's the Bucks the Hawks, the Suns, whatever, whatever team wins it, everyone was playing under the same conditions, basically. Um, so I, I don't see the need to put an asterisk in is, is my point at the end of the day. If you have an argument for why it should be an asterisk season uh, or asterisk playoffs, asterisk champion, whatever you want to say, uh, let me know. Shoot, shoot us an email, hoopsologypod at gmail.com or leave it in the comments on YouTube here if you would like to be so bold. Um, I, I would love to hear that, to be honest. What, what is the argument for asterisks? I, I just don't see things that way. But anyway, I've gone on long enough. I appreciate you guys listening if you have stuck around to this point. Thank you so much. I hope you have a great start of your weekend. We will be in touch again really soon. We have some great guest interviews coming up. Our interview with Scott Howard Cooper, the author of Steve Kerr, A Life, has just dropped on YouTube earlier this week. So be sure to check that out if you haven't already. It was truly a great conversation with Scott. Really enjoyed having him on the podcast. Hope we can do that again sometime because uh, I'd love to pick his brain a little bit more. But anyway, I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to sign out. Follow us at Hoopsology Pod anywhere you are following people. And uh, you guys take care. Have a great rest of your week. Peace.